three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Canis Podcast. I'm Katarina. And I'm Michael. And today's episode is a special one because... We just got back from a trip to Chamonix Mont Blanc, and we thought we would talk about our experiences. That's pretty much it. Yeah, talk about the experiences. We were gone for a week. A week, yep. And we um, stayed at a cabin with friends. And it was a really good time. But before we get into that, let's dive into our weekly segment that we have on every podcast episode, which is the new cadence. The new cadence. Um, What's what's this week's topic? It's my turn this week. Um, This week's topic is... I'm going to start with a question. Um, If you had to tell me what your top three M&M's flavors are, what would they uh be? Top three M&M's flavor. Mm-hmm. Or t- types of M&M's. So like cl- the classic ones or the peanut ones? Whatever. Or... Whatever. Ooh, okay. I've always leaned towards M&M peanuts. So they're not really flavors. They're more colors, are they not? Types? Because colors, each individual M&M has a color. Has a color so yeah. I don't know if it's colors, but it's like, yeah, types of M&M's. So the peanut M&M, mm-hmm. but I always pick the blue one. Why? I don't know. Why not? You like the color? Yeah. Okay. So just top three? Yeah. And then they started to get a little creative with like, there's like a cookie wrapped mm-hmm. one with, mm-hmm. with, with, with some sort of a nut. And uh, so then, and then just classic, I guess. And my top three colors that I would always gravitate towards that I always grabbed first was like that bright blue, mm-hmm. red, mm-hmm. which is always one red one. And uh and then something more like a purple one, which is like a more unconventional one. They, they don't show up as often. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so the new cadence today is uh, M&M's came out with a new flavor or type of m M&M. Yeah, they're not flavors. They're yeah, more no, types. types. You keep saying flavor. Yeah, because this... They're all chocolate. <laughs> yes, because this is caramel cold brew. And I keep saying flavor because caramel to me is a flavor. But it's a new type of M&M and it's called caramel cold brew. And I can read you something of how they uh, describe the flavor. Keep saying flavor. The type. <laughs> and they say they, they are they are flavors, but more so types. types. I think in this instance, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say it's a delicious combination of smooth, robust coffee flavor and sweet, chewy caramel, covered in a class classic M and M's milk chocolate. And wrapped in a colorful candy shell. Yeah, I get it. Because all the M&Ms are based off of the classic milk chocolate, the candy shell, and then they would yeah. just fill the inside with something. And they've had caramel ones, they've had uh, peanuts, almonds, and then they've had the nuts covered in like a candy, co- like a cookie coating, and then the chocolate. So this is like just a different variation of that. Is there just a nut inside or is it just caramel? And, and coffee cold brew? Just caramel and coffee cold brew. And they did it because they had a limited edition espresso variety oh, and cool. apparently that went so well they did it during the christmas season so that's why um they're now doing it a permanent uh part of their lineup nice and i think it's i think it's really interesting i think i can really see what i like about it is caramel to me is always a very very sweet flavor but it's a very classic coffee flavor Exactly. So that combination, I thought, might be actually really cool. And we're we're looking at um, a little screenshot of the announcement, 
And funny enough, the main character being featured in it is the purple one. It's the purple one. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, like the classic one was always like, is it the red and green one? And then there's always like the nutty, the yeah. nuttier ones always yeah. have like a blue character. And I guess this one is the purple, which is awesome. Yeah. Purple. It, yeah. Purple's their main, main character. Yeah. And it says uh, purple has already made a few appearances on YouTube and is known for embracing her true self, embodying acceptance and authenticity. It's a wonderful message if perhaps a little saccharine and used in service of peddling commodity chocolate. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to head over to the main M&M store here in Berlin. There's a massive one that's three levels with just M&M merch everywhere. All different types of M&M stuff. It's wild. And, it's, and if you've been to one of the head M&M stores, you'll notice that they have the big wall and you can like put your bag underneath and mix and match all different kinds. So we're going to track those down and then we'll try to eat them on camera next week. Uh, exactly. On the podcast, even sorry, I keep saying camera, but we'll 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 taste some and let the listeners or viewers know our thoughts on them. Maybe together with the Oliato coffee from yeah. Starbucks, which we still haven't tried. Yeah, yeah, we still haven't tried that, but maybe we'll get onto that. So, back to the topic. Uh, spending time in Chamonix, Mont Blanc was absolutely incredible uh, because. We met in the mountains, essentially. I was born in the Rockies, pretty much. And you fell in love with the Rockies and moved there. So it just brought back a tiny piece of home, but with a little extra, little extra spice on top. And it was my first time in France, but not yours. No, I've been to France a couple of times. I've been to Paris twice, I think. And then I've been to the south of France and to some surrounding areas of Paris, like Disneyland and Versailles. Yeah. yeah. And it was my first time. And I have a, a bit of a connection to France because I have uh, some family roots there. Uh, like great, great grandparents and great aunts uh, had lived in Paris, but I had never been yet. And it gave me a little taste of what I want more of, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. It was just... The mountain town, but had that French flair and the French food and the French wine and the French architecture. It was it was really really stunning. Yeah, and I thought I was so when we went, I was the most curious about what the mountains look like yeah. in the French Alps yeah. because, of course, I had lived in the Rockies for four years, so I that's my idea of mountains. I've been to the Austrian Alps and I think I've driven through the Swiss Alps, but. That was both a long time ago, and I wasn't into mountains as much at that mm -hmm. time. So when we went to Chamonix, I was so curious of what it was going to look yeah, like. Yeah, the, the, the pre-Alps is what they call it. Remind me a lot of some of the mountains and, and hills in uh, Hawaii. Yes. Very, very green, very lush. And it, it reminds and a lot of the, the greenery there was uh, a blend of like the... Rocky Mountain style pine trees mixed with a lot of the lush greens that you get from the Pacific Northwest. And there was areas, it was a really interesting mix. It had like this tropical Hawaiian vibe mixed with this, not fully tropic, tropical, of course, mixed with Pacific Northwest, mixed with like the traditional Canadian pine trees and, and all that. It was really unique. So now that you've seen the mountains, what do you think of the mountains from what from the Rockies. Let's just talk about the Rockies since I have a good comparison to that. 
I think the Rockies feels more spacious. The area between the mountains feels very, very spacious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it sort of, because of that, it gives you a very broad view and we're only judging, like, I'm really only judging the part of Chamonix, so I have no idea what the rest of the mm -hmm, pitch also mm -hmm, looks like. But mm -hmm. um, the Rockies, it feels very vast and huge and like a long runway up yeah. the mountain. And okay. Chamonix especially felt you're in sort of a, like, really in like a pot, I want to say. You had the mountains on the side and you're, because we were in the valley, you yeah. were really at the bottom. Everything was almost like vertical. yeah. Up. And, and for me, I guess I'm just judging sort of the look of the mountains. I felt like these had a, a blend of like the one large mountain peak with a lot of jagged mountains, like what you would visualize when you think of Dolomites. And whereas for me, when I think of Rockies, I think of like one big mountain and the next one is one big mountain. You can, it's like very distinct where there's, where the, these French Alps seem like, a bunch of them together and some of them were sort of that wider style mountains and some of them were like the jagged peaks exactly that. yeah really really impressive yeah. I, I mean stunning now we we were there during sort of the low season it was like that 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 break season in between where ski season ends and summer mountain biking running season is about to begin so it was a bit of a low season still fairly busy not too busy but just right, so that the town felt somewhat full, but not too wild with all the tourists. We did experience a lot of rain. But the thing about that is, uh, you got these low-hanging clouds that just looked stupidly majestic every single day. The flip side to that was that we never really got a great full view of the entire range. And we also never really got the beautiful light on the mountains, mm, not like mm -hmm. morning light or a sunset. Yeah. So I think that's sort of um, still it, something that I want to see. Yeah, we'll have to go back because I really want to see like those beautiful uh, light blues and pinks and reds. We, we really got the brooding mountains, you know, like that Vancouver style of like low hanging clouds, really like gray with some breakthroughs of sun. And so the weather was a nice mix. It wasn't, it, it was a cool experience because of the nice mix for sure. Yeah. And I think as beautiful as blue skies are in the mountains, this is exactly what you said. I always say that it feels so expressive. And yeah. So there's so much going on and yeah. it changes by the minute. Oh, like you by the even, second. By the second you were saying you were taking photos and you were saying, oh, you wanted to retake a shot, but that shot didn't exist. Yeah. Anymore. I was, I was sitting on the patio and, and, uh, a group of the clouds had opened up and you could just peek through and see Mont Blanc and it peeked out in a way where you could kind of see sort of the the summit and it was being covered it, the clouds were floating above it and below it and I was going to grab a shot and I was just playing with the different apertures seeing like what sort of different depth of field I could get but as soon as I took one and I went to go change my settings suddenly a cloud had blocked that shot so Lots of, yeah, lots of variety. We kept hearing, like, I felt like the word of the trip was dramatic, drama. Like, there was just so much drama in all of our shots. And, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, we went with a group of uh, essentially all creatives or in the creative field. It, and it was, it was a unique experience, which I think we'll touch on in a little bit. We'll, we'll move on to that. But we had... Myself as a photographer and a filmmaker. Then we had our other friend who is 
um, a professional photographer and mainly does photography, but like exceptionally great. And then we had our other friend who hosted us, which is um, photographer, journalist, and one who works uh, with movies. And then we had one who does uh, graphic arts and then yourself all in, in the sort of the marketing space or, or creative space. And so before we kind of move on with the trip and our, some of our favorite moments, I guess I just wanted to mention that if you go into low season, it's really great. And you will have a lot of time and space to explore and get some photos. But I don't know if it was just the low season or not, but because it's a small little town, they have that midday break. And I think that's just very, maybe also a low season thing, like you said, but I think it's also just a very French thing. Yeah. To close in the small towns, to close. Italian, the, Spanish, like kind of like a siesta. Like vibe, a Mediterranean right? friend. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Like closing between the hours of what was it? We, we often found it was like 2.30 to 3. Uh, starting at 2.30 or 3. Sometimes even 1 actually. And they would usually close until 3.30 or reopen at 5. So it depends on the business. But so just as a heads up, if you are heading there, Around the hours between two and around four or five o'clock, things do shut down. So you want to get there to have your lunch, then have that midday break to go hiking or biking or whatever, chilling, and then head back out. But if you know that, there are there are some shops that do all day with straight through. There's, so there's some really cool coffee shops. Well, one coffee shop that we could go to because the other one that we really want to try, which is called Moody Cafe, they were unfortunately closed until the beginning of June taking a little break before the summer season hits. So if you're in the area and you get the chance to go to Moody, let us know. Yeah. I'm really curious. I, I, would, I would love to, to know if you've gone. And now that you can comment on Spotify mm-hmm. and on YouTube, if you're watching this, uh, let us know. What were some of your favorite moments? Favorite moments? I think uh, the, the one that... Well, maybe before we talk about our favorite moments, let's kind of give them a little itinerary of, of our of the trip so it's a little bit easier for them to understand what the trip was let me try to put it together yeah so we arrived on the monday yep and we took it easy that day we putzed around town we putzed around town the, the new, new word, word cat learned she um, didn't know this word before is it a canadian it's a canadian thing maybe no or maybe north american word yeah probably so we putzed around town we putzed around town a little bit and hung out at the chalet because we actually had some sunshine that day yep Tuesday we did what do we do on Tuesday? A little road trip into Switzerland. Yes, we did a road trip to Switzerland. To visit a little lake. To visit a lake, yes. Had to some viewpoints and to a lake. Exactly. The Wednesday we went to the town of Annecy. Yeah. On Thursday we took the uh Montanvert Mer de Glace up the uh up Mont Blanc. Yeah. Which is a little uh, train that goes up the mountain. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a really classic looking um, uh, teeth and chain mm-hmm. type of train where it gets pulled up the mountain and it looks straight out of a Wes Anderson movie. Like it's it's awesome. It's something you definitely have to, to have to do. And then the following day we putzed around town again. I yeah. Think. Enjoyed more of the town to really enjoy it because we sort of got a lay of the land, did a bit of shopping. And I photos. think that was also the day where we took, uh, went out to a viewpoint with the car for a bit. Yeah. In the morning time. Yeah. That's right. And, and then, then Saturday, 
I think when we took it sort of easy, there wasn't a lot going on. And then yep, some... one of our one of our friends, um, his mother arrived, who owns the chalet. And we uh, enjoyed a little birthday. Yes, it her? was her birthday. And yep. then on Sunday, we did a little walk slash easy hike. In the morning, and then went and ha had a really wonderful dinner. Oh, yeah. We, we forgot about the dinner, yeah. which we have to talk about. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. So out of all those days and everything, what were some of your highlights or favorite moments? Let's let's make it easy and maybe pick three because otherwise it'll be it'll be all over the place if we don't narrow it down a little bit. Okay, I have three favorite moments. Okay. The first one was going to Annecy. Yeah. Uh, Annecy is the Venice of the Alps. It's called Venice of the Alps. Yep. It's a beautiful, picturesque little town that has a canal area in the center. Yeah, canals running through a beautiful building. And that's why I mentioned that it reminded me more of Amsterdam, actually. Mm -hmm. They call it they call it Venice of the Alps, but in, for me, it reminded me a lot of Amsterdam was because there's like the, the city around surrounding edges and then right in the center is all these beautiful canals that you can kind of stroll through. Yeah, and I think Annecy as a whole was my favorite. I'm cheating a bit. It's not a moment, but that yeah. was sort of a favorite memory. Let's yeah, absolutely stunning. And then the second one would be the walk slash hike yesterday yep. because it was in Les Ouches, which is the little neighboring town to Chamonix. Yeah, and that's where we actually stayed. So we stayed just outside of Chamonix in the neighboring town called Les Ouches. Yeah, and that walk was stunning, again, because we had all sorts of weather mm -hmm. and... We were in the pouring rain for a second and I still really enjoyed it because there was this certain mood that mm -hmm. it provided. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last highlight was our dinner yesterday. Um, Michael and I went on a little dinner to a local restaurant called La Maison Carrier. Yeah, which, we'll, which I think we can get into a little bit exactly. later on. Yeah, so those were my three. Yeah, so my very first one... Um, is also Annecy, and you, it's it's our both our top highlights for a reason. It's just a stunning little town, like beautiful buildings, beautiful colors, lots of walkways. But specifically in that town, there's this little alleyway uh, right in the parts where all the canals are, where you can buy some uh, sandwiches from the region. And the region itself is called Savoie. Oh, Savoie. Haute Savoie, so up right above Savoie, and there's all these little towns and all the little towns in that area. But it's the sandwiches from that region, and they're really big on raclette there. And we had a conversation with a, a young man who was serving us, who was born and raised in Annecy, and he, and we walked up, and I can't remember exactly the name of the sandwich shop. Like I think I have a, a photo of it. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's in my YouTube video that I'm making of this of this trip, but. I do remember the name of the sandwich shop beside it. So if you put that into your Google, you'll find it. What was the name of that? La, La Femette. Yeah, La Femette was a sandwich shop beside it, which our friends ordered from, which is also really good. We ordered at the sandwich shop right next to it on the left side. And I was talking to the, the young man there, and he said he was born and raised there. And I said, I would like your favorite sandwich. And he said, this is the sandwich of the region. And... You were allowed to pick these different toppings, and he just picked us his favorite combination. And one of the combinations was salt and pepper, French herbs, and olive oil. Olive oil, and that was pretty much it with the with the hamon, mm -hmm. the the cured meat. 
and cheese mm -hmm. and the raclette. And then the second one had um, like shredded greens, tomato, uh, and pepper. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really into pepper. Yeah, he was really into pepper, he said. And they were both awesome. And I think the other variation that people really enjoy is what was with pickles mm. to give it a bit of that like acidic. Yeah, to like, break up the, the fat fats from the from the cheese and the meat. Yeah, but really highly recommend. Amazing way to grab uh, some food and sit by the canals. And it's about five euros, so really affordable. And um, you know, now that you, now that we're talking a bit more about Annecy, I think I do have a favorite moment of of that okay. day. And it was when we went to the lake in Annecy. Mm. Oh yes, there's a lake there. Because not only does it have canals, <laughs> it has a lake. And suddenly the lake made me feel like I was back in Italy. Yeah, and you can rent like pedal boats. Yeah, I forgot the whole part of there's a huge lake and a boardwalk. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, it's okay. Up to you. That was pretty much it. Yeah, and now your other favorite. My moment. my second favorite moment was taking the train up to the top of the Gidimidi, or I, I think that's where we got went to the top. I can't remember where the peak was, but you, when you take that Wes Anderson looking train up, absolutely stunning, and it's called the Montauvert. 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 glass. And when you get up there, you get to see the glacier. And it is stunningly beautiful up there. The weather was like all over the place. A little bit of snow, a little bit of rain, a little bit of sun. It was really nice. It was quite sad to see how much the glacier is dying though. Like it has dropped and depleted and receding up and up and up year after year. And it's pretty sad to see actually. Yeah, I was very shocked by how far it has receded mm -hmm. and how what they're predicting of how it's going to continue yeah so that was a little sad mm -hmm. but um a wonderful experience the train ride is really cool like definitely something you must do it's 37 euros in low season and 38 in the high season yeah. so it's not cheap but a really great experience and at the top there's a cool hotel where you can get some beers and some charcuterie and cheese and hot, hot chocolate or there's a little cafe. So that was really cool. And my last one would be mm, the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the restaurant is in um, Hem... I can't even pronounce it properly. Hembo Albert? Mm -hmm. Premier? Mm -hmm. um, the hotel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. H-A-M... Uh, let me look it up here real quick. So you tell them about the restaurant that we went to and then... Yeah, so the restaurant is called La Maison Carrier. Yeah, and, and it's a part of the hotel. Part of the hotel and it is a wood cabin sort of atmosphere. You walk in and they have a huge... I think you sort of, you have to help me. There's like a fireplace. Yeah, it's called Hamu Albert Premier. Hamu... Hamu... Oh, God. Yeah. Hamu Albert Premier. Premier. Yeah. 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 Um they have a when you right when you walk into the restaurant they have a fireplace and the fireplace sort of um the ceiling like shoots up. I think into, I think she thinks it's a fireplace, but I actually it might be a fireplace. They weren't grilling food. Yeah, you're right. It was a fireplace. So it was a huge like chimney, chimney. flue type thing yes. and built in sort of like a pyramid and there's a fireplace. You're right. Yeah, and yeah. They, they're in that chimney. There's smoking, beams. Yes, they have beams, and they're smoking meats and fish. fish. So they so they do all their their meats. Oh, it was like I wish 
I could find a cool photo. I wish I would have taken a photo of it. I don't know why I didn't. But it's like a chimney that looks like a pyramid, and there's beams, and they're hanging all their hamon and their um, smoked salmon mm-hmm. and their smoked pork belly for bacon. It looked, it was amazing. The place smelled out of this world. I know, and like I'm, I might be jumping ahead, but we all got to taste it because you had a dish that had a smoked fish in it. Didn't yeah, it? And yeah. Man. That was amazing. I'm not the like, biggest fan of smoked. You yeah, believe, the smoked fish was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It was kind of almost like, um, ah, what's the word? It was like, it was like not sushi style, but it was like in between, like cooked and raw. Yeah, but it was smoked. It was. It was really, really, really good. I can't even. Why my my words are slipping my brain? But fantastic dinner. You could get sort of a. Two course for 25, and you could pick between starter and main or main and dessert. And then you could pick the the upper tier one, which is 39, and it's three courses, starter, main, dessert. And they also have a $55 seven course, but they also have a la carte. And our recommendation, if you go for the just the two courses, is to do main and dessert, correct? Depending on who you are, yes. Because I feel like such an amateur, but when you're asked for if you want cheese or dessert and you pick the cheese course, they don't just bring out a couple cheeses. They literally roll out the cheese cart with like 20 cheeses and let you pick. And as me, many as you want. Yeah. I was, when, she, when I said I was going to the cheese course, she rolled it out and said, here are our cheeses, name the cheeses, explain them. And I said, how many should I pick? And she's like, as many as you want. And at that moment, I was texting with my friend Eric, uh, who's like, we, we love talking food and wine because he's a really insanely talented sommelier. But he messaged me back and he said, I feel like the cheese card is France's greatest gift to the last course of the dinner or something like that. And I was like, yes, I get it now. Like, can you? And then the dessert course at their restaurant, I don't know if they, they do this everywhere in France, but it was also a self-serve eat as much as you want. <laughs> yeah, and it was a buffet style, and buffet style sometimes doesn't sound as cool and high-end, yeah. but they had incredible... I think they had five cakes, m- strawberry mousse, uh, flan, flan diff- crumbles, crumbles, cookies, cookies. everything. <laughs> and I only probably tried a third of it, but it was... It was like, yeah, you had five things on your plate, and that was like a third of it. It was, it was incredible. So that 39... Euro menu we would highly recommend. Really cute cabin style, supremely great service, really, really awesome. Definitely a highlight. It was like kind of like the restaurant highlight was either first or Annecy, but like I tend to always lean towards restaurant experiences, but I was really trying to 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 think think outside of my norm and really uh, figure out what made that region special. And I think Annecy and speaking with that that uh, guy who served us made that experience but were there anything that surprised you from from the trip i was just trying to think anything that surprised me do you have something on your mind right away what surprised me what was different from what i expected i mean honestly i don't know that a lot surprised me i I knew that Chamonix was a big ski uh, region 
And I knew that there were probably a lot of mountain biking when it comes to that. But man, that whole region is just filled with people who are doing outdoor activities mm-hmm. like like running and tennis. And they had amazing sports complex. And if you don't know, uh, Chamonix was actually the host of the very first Olympics in 1942. Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics, yeah. 1924. 1924? Yeah. Or 1942? No. Oh, 1924. I'm going to bet with you it was 1924. Okay. Let's see. What am I, what am I winning if I win this bet? Um, you're going to have to, whoever, oh, <laughs> yeah. You're right. You know me and dates. 1924. Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics in Chamonix was, was, and it was really cool. It, it, it actually reminded me a lot of Calgary and its Olympic Village and everything like that, but just way more compact. It was really cool. And I think what did surprise me, or maybe not surprise me, but what I think this region is, um, separates this region a lot from the Rockies mm-hmm. is how now I'm missing the English word how humans have taken it over because in when you're in the Rockies mm-hmm. you have Banff Canmore Jasper okay those are in a specific area those are three in a very big specific area, those are the three mountain towns. Mm-hmm. In that little area alone that we were in, mm-hmm. you have Chamonix, Les Ouches, you have Le, Les Pras or whatever it yeah. is. There are so many towns right in the mountains. Yeah. And I think that maybe surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I found that there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of... Um, farmlands and cows and animals and a lot of agriculture mixed in with that mm-hmm. and you definitely don't get that at uh in in Banff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's really true. Yeah, so there's just there there's just a lot of uh there's a lot of human and 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 town like vibes but also mixed in a lot with the agriculture because we our chalet that we stayed at uh, which is Chalet Pic Rouge. And we were next to two cows. So every single day we heard the cowbell. Every single day. And lots of chickens. And there was some beautiful horses right next to us. Yeah, two beautiful horses. That yeah. There was just a lot of farmland in, in, in that area. And there's like it has a lot of those like uh the sound of music vibes in the meadows with all the different farm cabins. And the um the flowers, the, the wild wildflowers, flowers, the spring flowers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily think that surprised me, but that is different mm-hmm. than yeah. sort of Canmore, Banff yeah. and sort of Jasper from, from my experiences of all those places. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said, there, we, we didn't have the opportunity to do too many of those hikes like, like we have done in Alberta because of the weather and we weren't having that type of trip, but I don't know that it was, um, Outside of that, I don't think I was surprised by that much because I'm pretty used to it. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't really anything that I would say surprised me. It was more things that I was curious about because I wanted to know how it is there compared to regions that I've been to with yeah, mountains. Yeah, for sure. 
um, I have to say something that excited me a lot was that, you know, that whole trend right now that, that if you're listening to this uh, somewhere in April, May, uh, 2023, you'll know that there is a huge Wes Anderson trend for TikTok videos and Instagram reels. Well, that area, and I guess maybe a lot of all of France, just had so many scenes that were just iconically what you would consider like Wes Anderson. And funny enough, today uh, I saw on the accidentally Wes Anderson Instagram a photo of a casino that I also took. Because as soon as I saw that casino, I said, wow, that looks like something out of a Wes Anderson movie. So I took a shot, and today they posted the exact same shot from another photographer who'd taken it too. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not the only one who is seeing this town as a little Wes Anderson kind of vibe. Yeah, it was. Really the, picturesque. It was the houses, like the houses that people lived in. <laughs> it was the hotels. It was just the architecture in the town. It was that train. Mm -hmm. There were so many... Area. Cute moments. Yeah. Even the old um, gondola. Um, yeah. The Guide Midi, the gondola yeah. going up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we didn't go up that because um, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe we were being a little frugal. But it's 76 euros round trip. And apparently it's really stunning. Oh, I know why. It, there was a lot of low-hanging clouds. And if it's not a clear day it's probably not a, a bit of a waste of money to go up because you can do the walkway and there's i think there was like nine or ten different viewpoints because it's a panoramic view of the entire range of mountains they call them massifs like mm -hmm. but the, we were also warned that if it's not a clear day don't waste your money going up Yes, we were warned by our host that yeah. we should not do that. Yeah, so we didn't we didn't do that, but I feel like when we go back, we're definitely going to do that for sure. But one thing that I wanted to chat about is, and you touched on it at the very beginning when we started the episode, mm -hmm. is that we were a lot of creatives on this trip, like all yeah. sorts of creatives. And have you ever been on a trip like this with a lot of creatives? And if no, 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 def no. No. I've seen them a lot, you know, like I have a lot of creative friends where they'll make a YouTube video where they get all together in a cabin and it's it's always looks so incredible. And they're always in some of those videos I've seen, they're always photographers or uh, filmmakers or cinematographers that I look up to. And I'm like, and I've always thought, wow, it'd be so fun to go on a trip like this. Have you? No, I don't think so. No. no yeah, no, most no. of the time. And, and one of the reasons why this trip was a little different for Katarina and I was because we were with like this, we, we traveled a little differently than we might normally have, but it was good in a good way because we traveled with, like, like we mentioned, multiple photographers, multiple um, artists and, and designers and creatives. And so whenever you went anywhere, you would do your own thing, but then you would get to watch other people in their element and in their craft. And it was really interesting to see because I feel like sometimes when you're used to something and executing something, you just see something a certain way. And no matter where you go, you kind of look out for the, the thing that you see. But then someone else, when you're with them as a, a different creative, they'll see something that you kind of would just walk by. I, it happened a couple of times where I would just walk by something and one of the other two would be like, wow, look at this cool, cool scene or whatever. And we would explore it a little further and it would just 
it would make our trip fuller. It happened a lot in Annecy, actually. Yeah, and it sort of, I think it opens up your, because in uh, in our travel episode, we talked about how traveling opens up your horizons and sort of exposes you to things that otherwise you wouldn't have been exposed to. And this was even a step further because of the people that we were with, I think. Yeah, like not only were all of us sort of in all of our surroundings in the trip itself, I think we were also, um, yeah, our our thoughts and ideas were even brought in a bit further because of the people surrounding us. Because for me, as someone who always wants to make sure I'm continually growing myself and my craft, it takes other people to sometimes push you out of your boundaries in order to do that. And like I always say, it's like live passionately, stay inspired. And when you are living with other people and surrounded by sort of their creativity and their energy, you you feed on that and it grows you as a human being. And it was really cool. And I think traveling with a group can be definitely be hard because everyone has things they want to do, like to do, don't like. But I think we all traveled quite well together actually because we just let people have their space when they wanted to. And we combined our forces and energies when we wanted to. Yeah, I think there was always a very like appreciative energy especially when during the times when when you guys were creating stuff yeah. because we would all just enjoy it so much yeah. to see what the other person was yeah. seeing and i thought that was really cool can you imagine someone who may not be as into creating and taking photos or video if they came on this trip they would have hated it yes because there were <laughs> Three to four cameras at all times. If not because, more. Because one of our friends always had two cameras. And then... <laughs> he did. <laughs> like always lugging around two cameras. And a flash and everything. Yeah. And and I'm stopping to pull out my drone and... Yeah. You you're, always, you're always stalling at every spot for so long. It's not like a tourist taking one or two snaps. Yeah. It's like 10 to 15 snaps per photographer so it just takes time to to experience things but it was great like we loved it and i think you also have to be okay with your photo being taken like there's mm. the camera in your face at all times yeah. and in the best way possible yeah in the best way possible any like all of our friends would obviously only take great photos but yeah. you yeah, it's you're being stalled and your photos being taken, so you got to be okay. With yeah, but for me, I mean, I don't know if they really reckon, recognize this as much, or maybe they only kind of experienced it once I was there. And and I don't post this a lot. Maybe I should more. But whenever we go on trips, I take a lot of silly photos. Yes, I'm always doing, like, because sometimes, and and I'm not I'm not hating on anyone at all, but like sometimes the photography industry and sometimes people who our creators can be a little pretentious. Mm -hmm. Like there are moments of that, like that pretentiousness, yeah. you know, where like, I'm a photographer, I'm taking the most epic shots ever. And you got to pose like this and it's going to be like that. And I need the light here. Yeah. But you got to infuse some like comic relief. Yeah. Like, so like it can't always be so serious. Yeah. And so, so I'm not knocking that at all because I also do that. I also get people to pose and to get different lighting, but but sometimes I also just like to be silly. Like, well, like I, so we were in the meadow and it was, it just, it was uh, sunny. Then it rained a lot. And then because of the heat and the rain, it started to 
mist over and fog. And there was this wide open meadow. And I said, hey, Kat, just take a picture of me um, in this meadow area because it looks so dramatic. And then I just busted out the Tom Cruise run. Oh, I have him, Tom Cruise, running, squatting. Stretching. Stretching. Uh, making silly faces. I, there's more photos in a silly... Um, pose in that pose area than, than any than serious. serious pose. But you did, but there are, but she did get one epic photo. Yeah. But if you are watching this on YouTube, I'll throw up some of those photos. I just the, the Tom Cruise run is just so funny. Me like high elbows, high knees. Yeah, you did a good. Job. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Yeah. I just thought it was a good way to just break up so much, you know, quote unquote serious photography, which I loved doing. By the way, like I absolutely loved oh, yeah. it. But um, so Chamonix, one thing I wanted to touch on before I forgot was we were so excited about going here because it is in such an interesting place in the world. Yes. It's like yes. smack dab on a borderline that is wild because we flew into Geneva in Switzerland, then drove to Chamonix. But in France. In France. And then we, had, and then we did a little day trip out to Switzerland, drive out to the lake for a little day trip. We could have taken a day trip to, to Italy, decided Turin. not to do it. But when when I was saying that to Michael yesterday, I had um, the little on Google Maps, I had my little dot where I was and I hadn't zoomed in very much. And if you don't zoom in well, it looks like the dot is sitting on three countries, three countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was wild. And and I was uh, having a chat with one of my friends in Canada on FaceTime and He's like, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm in Chamonix. And he pulls up the map and he's like, oh my goodness. He's like, you're like three and a half hours away from Monaco. Yeah. And all the street signs were saying Paris, Milan, Lyon, Lyon Lausanne. Yeah. Turin. Yeah. Like it, it just seems so crazy because in every direction you look, there was a big name city. And we were kind of chuckling a little bit, but I said three and a half hours, uh, in Alberta, where I'm from, gets you in the middle of essentially just a farmer's field, like like not very far. And here, it's like you're in Chamonix, then you're in Mont Blanc, and then in one direction, two and a half hours in a different direction, you're in Turin. Another two hours, you're at the Matterhorn. An hour, you're into Switzerland. An hour and 20 minutes, you're back in uh, Geneva or whatever. And it was so crazy to be in a region like that. And I just... I feel like there's there's still stones unturned yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot more you can do as long as you are willing to sort of make those day trips. We met actually a lot of uh, people, and, and in particular these two ladies who were on a little girls' trip, and they were in that region traveling through all those little towns like Zarmat, Matterhorn, yeah. um, La Praz, Chamonix, Annecy... It's really cool. And I think Chamonix is definitely also something I would want to come back to in the winter. Yes. I feel like in the winter you would get some absolutely epic uh, sunsets with all the mm -hmm. purples and pinks and blues. Yeah. And the, the snow reflecting light and yeah. everything. I think that would be really awesome. So maybe a next trip? Maybe maybe one of our next ski trips or something. We were in the, we were in the down season. So... Uh, it was a little more empty, which I mentioned was good, but I, I really want to see it when it's set, you know, it's fully moving. When, it's, when it's bumping. When it's, <laughs> the cat always says bumping, but I, I think it would be, 
maybe a little too intense. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, but probably I, also very cool. Yeah. Because there's so much going on. For sure. I would love to ski yeah. in the French Alps. I would also love to go to the top of the gondola because mm -hmm. I want to see all the 360 sort of panoramic views. I would like to do an actual hike yeah. somewhere. If you weren't in the winter, would you do a winter hike? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I did a lot of winter hikes in, um, in the Rockies. Yeah. So I would. Yeah, definitely. Now, before we sort of wrapped up this episode, there was a lot of photography taken. And from your memory, do you have one that you thought stood out to you that you just are like, oh man, I love, I love that moment? I think my favorite would be when we went on that little drive to the viewpoint and the clouds were really, we were sort of on the other side of Mont Blanc. It's, it's, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I have it up here on the screen right behind me here. Yeah. It's this moment. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was on the other side of Mont Blanc. So we were looking at it and <clears throat> Mont Blanc itself has a lot of crazy layers and the clouds were perfectly hanging within those layers. Yeah, they were weaving through the layers. Weaving through the layers. Yeah. And I just thought that is such a unique look. Mm -hmm. That is the one that I remember. The yeah, most. I have a great shot of it. I hope that I can... Um, get one posted to my Instagram one day if you guys want to check it out. What's yours? Um, I think for me, my eye always goes to a city shot, mm -hmm. like city type shots. That's sort of what I'm most interested in. Mm -hmm. But for this trip, that was a really great moment because I really wanted to get up high and see the mountains and we did that, but not. I think my favorite moments probably was not even a, a photo. I just loved getting some uh, postcard-like shots for in, in the video. So there was a few moments on the train. Uh, when we were on the train, it just looked like a moving postcard. Yesterday, there was we were... Uh, we got caught in a pretty big part of the downpour and the rain was coming down pretty heavily. We took shelter in this little firewood shed one of the, in one of the farmhouses and there was just water running and there was the misty meadow behind us and the water was just running. That was really cool. I had really hoped that I had gotten enough uh, uh, format. So I make these video series called Postcards From and what I try to grab is I... Try to grab life in motion. Just things happening naturally that look like they could be a postcard, but they happen to be moving. And I got a few shots of those, but not enough to build a full sequence. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll have to include it in the vlog. But I hope that one day I can go back and do a postcard from Chamonix Mont Blanc or postcards from Savoie or something like that. Or postcards from Annecy would be so beautiful. Oh man, yeah, that would be really interesting. That probably would have been the opportunity to do that, but we were with a lot of, of our, like I said, like we mentioned, our creative friends. So we wanted to leave room for everyone to do their thing, which is really cool. But yeah, I think that's everything that we wanted to share. Was there anything else that you wanted to share about. I guess we should talk about the chalet a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we should um, shout out the chalet that we stayed at because it was beautiful. 
we were so lucky that we were able to stay there because yeah, we were invited there by our friends um, whose mom owns a chalet. And as we mentioned, it's in Les Uches, which is just outside of Chamonix. It's, it's a quick drive. Yeah, it's a 10 minute drive. Yeah. Yep. So if you put chalet pick, P-I-C, Rouge, into Google Maps, you'll find it. And we're going to leave, or Kat is going to leave <laughs> a description and a link in our show notes. Uh, so you can find it if you want to. Yeah, you can find it on Airbnb. And they also, I think, have their own website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And the chalet was great. Wonderful garden. You in When you're in the garden area, you literally look up at Mont Blanc. And yes, you are surrounded by a few other the beautiful farmhouses there. But it's beautiful garden. The house itself is super quirky. We kept calling it Hobbitland. It is super small. And the but bo- cozy, cozy yeah. small. In in the best way, the bo- the bottom area has sort of like a dining room, ki- a living room, and a bigger bedroom. Yeah, and the, like a kitchen area, and then you go up the stairs, and the stairs already are so narrow. Yeah, it's then, a spiral wooden staircase. Yeah, and then you're in a in a loft area, and then the cool, the most quirky room is the like the Lo- hobbit room. Yeah, so when you go up the spiral staircase, there's a loft area that has two beds. And a little hallway that you have to literally duck because it is low, really low. Um, And you go through this little hobbit land and then you're in another little, um, I wouldn't call it a loft, but but like a little uh, raised, is it a loft? I guess a loft style. I think it's a loft style. Yeah, but it's covered with a door and then there's two more bedrooms in there or two more beds in there. With a beautiful view as well. Yes, there's a small window with a little couch and it actually, the window views out at Mont Blanc, which is really, really cute and quirky. It's it's a unique cabin experience for sure. And what's awesome is a lot of time when people think cabins and especially with skiing, they think fireplace and this place doesn't have one. However, Mm. they have a great fire pit that we loaded up with wood one night when it started to get a little bit it was warm enough to sit outside but it just it just calls for like fire that night i do have a moment that surprised you talking about the fire what did we <laughs> what did we do with the fire we, had, we roasted marshmallows and what surprised and you? what we realized is these marshmallows in europe these haribo marshmallows roast not like the north american ones because for some reason, I, and I, I don't know if this is true. I, the, don't quote me on this. It's not fact. This is just my thoughts on it. I think that in North America, the marshmallows are so fake and full of this like preservatives and fake sugar, glucose, glucose, yeah. probably not even sugar, like glucose or whatever. And you know, sometimes when you roast them, they instantly flame up or they just melt to oblivion. Or they... Um they wrinkle and cr- like they wrinkle. yes they just wrinkle the marshmallows in in North America always find they get wrinkled they get all wrinkled and crackly and they kind of taste like cardboard when you're eating into it mm-hmm. for some reason this is my first time and you had already known this right no I didn't okay it was my first ever time roasting marshmallows in uh, Europe yes okay but you had roasted in North America oh yes okay. so you have a comparison yeah, yeah I have a comparison okay so. The North American ones, especially these Haribo ones, when you were roasting them, they just brulee like a creme brulee. Like the sugar crust just got a little bit brown and crackly. And when you let it sit for a little bit to cool down, it would have a nice crunch. As It felt like you were biting into like a little creme brulee. Like, you know, when you take your spoon and you like 
when they brown the top of the creme brulee and you smack into it and then the candy cracks and you eat it. It was all brown and shiny. Shiny, and like, yeah. yeah. It just, like, the obviously the marshmallow is, chew, like, kind of stringy, so it's not like a creme brulee, but it had that vibe. Like, it, like when you were roasting, it had that candy crust, and then you bit into it, it would crack a little bit, and then it had that soft, gooey center. And we have a recommendation if you want to make your own version of a s'more. <laughs> you buy lemon oat cookies, dark chocolate, and then roast the marshmallow and have that. And it was good. that is the perfect combination because yeah. the lemon balances the sugar from the marshmallow. It was great. It was just a hack because we actually didn't have any graham cracker. So we, yeah, we didn't buy the cookies for s'mores. We just, yeah, it was a... We, out of necessity. Out of necessity, those are the cookies we had. But, but we, I think we discovered something. So a lemon oat cookie, dark chocolate, and... A European marshmallow. Well, Haribo specifically. <laughs> so that was really great. And I think that's a great way to wrap it up with yes. that little hack of ours. Yeah, definitely. So if you have any questions and you're watching this and you want to know more about where we stayed or what we experienced or... Uh, just wanted to know more about what we, some of the things we mentioned. Leave us a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave also a comment now on Spotify. So do that. If you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, don't forget to rate it five stars. If you're uh, watching this on YouTube, maybe subscribe to the channel. Like, always... subscribe, share. Yeah. All that good stuff. And if you don't, all good because we appreciate you listening anyways. Yeah, we're just excited to basically chat to you even though it feels like we're chatting with you yeah and we just are excited to share uh, our experiences to hopefully then provide you with some information for your own experiences yeah information and inspiration too yeah. i think yeah definitely so we'll catch you in the next one and until then bye au revoir au revoir Not au bonjour au revoir au revoir you think